The Okie Geek Podcast is brought to you by Okie Comics, a bi-monthly anthology publication showcasing the talents of Oklahoma creators with stories featuring Oklahoma. Copies are available at Half Price Books, Edmund Unplugged, Loot and XP, Boarding House, Paseo Plunge, Museum of Osteology, Commonplace Books, as well as your favorite comic book store and nearest library. You can find out more locations and more information at okiecomics.com. Greetings and salutations, my fellow geeks, and welcome to episode 145 of the Okie Geek Podcast, brought to you by Okie Comics. I'm Michael Cross. I'm Devin Green. The Science Museum of Oklahoma is undergoing changes, and the future has never looked brighter. A lot of things going on. Here to talk about it are VP of Programming Clint Stone and Abby Trent Development and Communications Coordinator. I'll get that one down. Clint and Abby, so great, great to have you here. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. Clint, uh, now, first off, you were not VP of programming when we had you on a year ago. That's right. Something's changed. Something's changed. <laughs> uh, I have uh, moved positions. I've moved up to become the uh, vice president of programs. So it's That's very exciting. Awesome. And uh, we, when we talked to you last, we were talking about the bodies. Uh, uh, the, yeah, the bodies revealed. Bodies revealed, which the... uh, was wonderful and freaky at the same time. Uh, which is just absolutely amazing. And that's a perfect segue for what yeah, we're going to talk about right now. That's right. So, and so what, what, you know, the thing is, Science Museum of Oklahoma, it's always about education. Talk to us about what's going to be going on uh, with SMO 21. Is that correct? Is that what I'm hearing? That's correct. Um, everyone thinks about Science Museum of Oklahoma. It's a great place to come out, learn new things. Very hands-on place. Great place to take the kids, learn about electricity or or physics, or, or just try something you've never tried before. Well, that's fun for adults, too. So yeah. pretty soon we'll be rolling into our third SMO 21, which is a, it's all that, but for <laughs> adults only. So a little bit riskier, a little bit more fun, trying things that might not always be appropriate for some of our younger guests, but are still have a lot of potential for not only fun, but, you know, some real learnings there, too. Yeah, because if we can keep that childlike imagination open even for adults it just makes it more enjoyable and also to pass on to our children as well that's right we we have a limited time here on this planet and it's it's best to spend that time being a lifelong learner so we're not just learning when we're kids we don't want to be stagnant when we're old so uh, let's let's keep having fun let's keep learning let's do something new every day and it is exciting. I love these, these the SMO 21s because they're, they're fun without having to be, you know, with, with at the exact same time being educational. They are. They're, they're fun. They're, they're educational. They're just different. It's a unique experience that I think we should all have. We, we visit the museum and we might be there with, you know, hundreds of other families. But what would it be like to be there with just a hundred other adults or a couple hundred other adults walking around with maybe even a cocktail in your hand, mm -hmm. um, getting hands-on with an exhibit that you're going to look downright silly doing, but guess what? There are no judgmental kids around, so it's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> and it is a lot of fun. <laughs> it is. And this is the third one. What, when were the, what were the last two? What was, what was your kind of subject back in the past two? We started off in April with wizardry. And we uh, did a lot of explosions, of course, at Science Museum. We do a lot of explosions. We also used Arduinos to make wands so we could cast spells on each other. <laughs> and actually, you could, 
you could feel that the your arms tense up and jerk back as you you cast spells on each other. We we had a menagerie of animals out that day, and then in June we uh, we celebrated summer camp, or mm-hmm. really the awkwardness of remembering summer camp as an adult. And we did um, a lot of things that maybe we did as a kid, but we did them a little bit differently. Uh, we had a slip and slide, but instead of having your typical outdoor slip and slide, we have a a hundred foot indoor slip and slide where other adults pretty much slung you across the floor and you slipped and you slid. We, we had oobleck, which is a, a non-Antonium uh, fluid that we actually walked on because I remember when I was a kid being told that I had to be careful. I was going to sink in quicksand. So when you went to <laughs> camp, watch out for quicksand. And then there's always that kid, it may have been me at camp, who ate bugs. So, of course, we had Bug Chef. We ate bugs. And then we had kind of those silly games that you play at camps where we uh, had an obstacle course. We looked for any chance to get dizzy. We made s'mores. We we had an inflatable obstacle course indoors. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, and the slip and slide was indoors, too. The slip and yeah. slide was indoors. Yeah. That's, yeah. a, that's just phenomenal. So what, what do we got for, okay, first off, when is SMO 21 for August? When are you guys coming? Our up? next one's coming up on August 17th. That's a Friday night. It is 6.30 to 10 p.m. Um, we are celebrating something that I think is a lot of fun. And as a child, I might have thought was gross. And as an adult, maybe I could think was gross again. But without these things, life would not be as delicious, as much fun as weird and wonderful as it is. We are celebrating fermentation, oh. fungi, <laughs> and decomposition. Three of my favorite things. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I, you know, fermentation, so, so is I, we're talking like yeast and, and, and things like that? We are talking about yeast and, uh, you know, it's funny it's thing about because yeast. it's life. It is life. And it's <laughs> one of the things that's been domesticated the longest that we've been using to make beer. <laughs> you know, the, the, the story of, Beer is crazy and wonderful, and the fact that we've used yeast so much every day and that we, we take advantage of bacteria and fungus is such a big part of our diet and our um, kind of a, a healthy lifestyle and, you know, sometimes an intoxicated lifestyle as well. It's, mm. it's something that should be fun and celebrated. Yeah, bread. I can't imagine not having bread or cakes or, or anything that rises. It's doing that because of... The yeast, a little microorganism yeast. Yeah. eating sugar. That's right. Passing it's gas. Magic. And passing gas. It's and yeast gas. gas. Exactly. I, I was actually, I was, we were watching some cooking show and I'm saying, hey, if you don't have any yeast farts, you don't have anything rising. Mm-hmm. That's, that's right. what makes you rise. That is 100% true. <laughs> Which is kind of gross, but see, that's the beauty of what adults can enjoy that. Adults uh, can I enjoy that. Yeah. You know, adults can enjoy bread. Kids can enjoy bread. Adults can enjoy beer, but kids probably shouldn't. That's right. Probably shouldn't. Yeah. And that makes it easier for uh, when we don't have the kids. We don't have to worry about that. And so we can enjoy the beer. We can enjoy talking about beer. We can right. enjoy talking about beer, learning about the beer making process, wine. Um, we can learn about the mushrooms we eat, the mushrooms we shouldn't eat. And uh, even cheeses, which, mm-hmm. uh, of, of course, are, we have because of bacteria. So we owe a lot to microbes and this idea of decomposition. The idea of cheese especially astounds me because of how, like, what enterprising soul was like, I'm going to try it. You know, I mean, after what it had been through, like, oh, it might be good. might kill me. I don't know. Like, kudos to them. Yeah, the first person who didn't die, they're like, 
Was it good? Yeah, and he's fantastic. like, you All better right. believe it. And yeah. thus cheese was thus born. Thus cheese was born. No joke. Yeah. Yeah. And what What is the process? That, I don't think most people know what the process is for cheese. Nowadays, you just it's pre-wrapped in a grocery store. It's milk that goes bad on purpose with an acid. It's, that's the simplest explanation. That, that's a pretty good explanation right there. There are so many different types of cheeses as well. And mm-hmm. yeah. uh, so many different processes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a whole Monty Python skit on that, actually, about cheeses going into a cheese shop. You've seen this. Yeah. No? Yes. Okay, yes. You gave I'm me that sure. blank stare. That's Sorry. <laughs> no, I was thinking about I, I, I was thinking about our guest. That's the cheese, <gasps> you got a the guest. cheese person. But I don't know if he wants to say. Oh, you want to talk yes. about our guest? I, I would love to talk about our, our guest. We have two uh, American Cheese Society certified cheese professionals, Heather McDowell and Kiha Montera, uh, both from uh, Whole Foods coming out. And they will walk us through the process of not only how cheese is made, the different types of cheeses, and what makes them so good. And the cool thing is the certification they have is harder than the sommelier exam. It's amazing. Like, I can believe it, that. It's cheesemongers cheese cheese to, to yeah. achieve that title. You ha- there's there's the test. There just are like so, everything. Again, and there are so many different types of cheese. Harder than the sommelier exam. Where, where it's made mm-hmm. all over the world. They've Everybody makes it different, that. and everyone has a different style, a different mm-hmm. taste, different texture. So you've got to know all that and, and what goes into it. So somebody blindfold taste tests of on, on you know where it came from, who who made it? Because even a, a cheddar that's made in Wisconsin is going to be different from a cheddar that's made in Britain. Right, right, right. And we think so much of taste, but there's a lot more there. There's texture. Mm-hmm. Um, Kiha was talking about the rinds and how important the rinds are, and not once in my life had I ever thought about a cheese rind before. No joke. Yeah, yeah. Kiha's taught me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so true. she's. We did a couple of Yelp events with her, and she's just phenomenal. So. And they're out of they're out of Whole Foods. Whole Is that, Foods. Yeah, that's yes. wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, is getting so much education. Yeah. Now we're also talking about decomposition. We are. That's uh, kind of scary. Decomposition <laughs> is kind of scary, but imagine a world without decomposition. Oh, yeah. Can't do it. You know, you you have all those banana pills. <laughs> they're not going anywhere. That stinky cabbage. It's not going anywhere. It would be a or horrible world without decomposition. Mm -hmm. And when we think about decomposition, of course we think about the fungus that breaks things Mm -hmm. down or the microbes that break things down. And if we think about long enough, we start thinking about ourselves Mm -hmm. and we will break down. Sure. And uh, we had lots of interesting conversations as we we prepared for this event and uh, what does happen to our bodies? And um, so we decided with this event, we were actually going to do something new. We're going to have a panel discussion. And the uh, panel discussion, we, of course, are going to talk about um, beer, how beer is made, the history of beer. Uh, we will have a uh, scientist from OU here talking as well, talking about recognizing different uh, funguses, fungi, and mm-hmm. and all their potential for medicine, as well as talking about this idea of fungus in movies, mm-hmm. uh, fungus in pop culture. And so we will have uh, Ryan Baker here from uh, Dead Center. Uh, and so to go along with this, we will have Timothy Dwyer from the uh, medical examiner's office talking about oh. uh, our own bodies and how they break down over time. So it's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, kind of a, deep philosophical discussion, I'm sure, but 
a lot of interesting talk to really open your mind and make it go places. And mm-hmm. again, something you really can't talk to. I, you, you, wanna, you would have to almost tiptoe around that for children. You and would. You don't you would. want to have to worry about doing that. This is a conversation that you can have with adults because they're adults and we've all had to deal with it. And so it's, it's good to talk about. But again, you'd have to, if there were children as well in the room, you'd have to worry about, am I going to say the wrong thing? Am I going to bother the child with anything? Right. But if they're all adults, you know you can be candid about your conversation. You can be candid and you can, uh, you can approach those tough subjects, which aren't appropriate for younger audiences, but um, are things that I know I'm an old man and in most places I would be embarrassed to ask, but this is one of those panel discussions where you're like, oh, what would happen if? Yeah. This is a, a great place to have those tough, those tough questions explored. Yeah, because you just don't know what you're going to think of when, and, and you're around, you're in a safe space. Right. You know, yes. it's other people that you can, you can talk this kind of, these, the, about these things uh, with these kind of people, with the people that you're surrounded with. With experts, yeah. yeah. And also it prepares you to be able to talk to children about it. You know, this is a way for you to, like, to, you know, frame your own thoughts and feelings and opinion, opinions about it. Mm-hmm. And then be, be more, more equipped when a kid says, you know, ask that question out of the blue that they always do. Um, you know, you've already had some time to think about it in your own terms, on your own terms, and, yeah. and on your own time. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's going it, to be an awesome discussion. And as heavy as it sounds right now, it will be full of laughs as well. Yeah. This is, there, there's a type of fungus that gets inside uh, carpenter ants, makes them climb to the right height, and then takes them over in a way a zombie would, and actually makes that ant act in ridiculously harmful ways to itself to make that fungus exist. And mm-hmm. this is yeah. basically where this idea of uh, fungus ant or zombie, zombie ants, ants comes right. from. Mm-hmm. And it's been seen in other animals and uh, there's actually some insects who've made this work for them. And so there are now zombie books where the same little uh, fungus now infects humans right. in the storylines. And that, that seems like a very feasible thing that could happen. Sure. Mm-hmm. So there's wonderful, fun discussions that come with this as well. And then I remember so many movies that had uh, sometimes silly, sometimes very frightening impacts on me upon watching that that really included a lot of mushrooms. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. And I, what's really, when you're talking about fungus and you're talking about bacteria, the other side of that is in, in our antibacterial world where everybody is constantly saying, we need to, oh, it's 99.4% bacteria free. It's like, you know, if you're truly to be 100% bacteria free, you'd die. Right. Yeah. We need bacteria. The amount of microbes in your guts is yeah. in the millions. Without and it, you I can't break them. down the stuff I need to break down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was uh, Jeff Goldblum who I forgot the character's name. He said, "Life will find a way." Ian yeah. Malcolm in Jurassic Park. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Now all these bacteria that we've been killing off, they they become what we call superbugs. Yeah. So they're like, hey. and that's all. Yeah, that's a whole other discussion. Yeah, the the, the MRSA, the the you know all the all the antibiotic resistance, mm-hmm. we're causing it. Yeah. Right. We're well, making it happen. That was, uh, from what I understand, that's where polio came from. Was that when uh, when people were having babies, polio norm naturally exists in the wild. So so when you're getting it, uh, you were usually getting it as a baby when you were born, and of course you would just it would go away. You'd have an immunity to it. You'd be fine. But when they had cleanliness in hospitals, 
they were so clean that the babies were not catching polio and they weren't catching polio until they were older in age. Oh, so they weren't and, developing baby antibodies. And so it was, and because if you catch polio at a later date, it's deadly yeah. or crippling. And all these kids were catching polio because the hospitals where the babies were born were so clean. Wow. So we wow, had to come up. That's a Yeah. We had, Jeez. so polio became out because of cleanliness. And we had to, then had to create a vaccine, a vaccine to protect ourselves because we weren't catching it at a young and young enough age. So, you know, again, you get rid of all the bacteria. That's just many bits of useless knowledge that I have it's in like, my we'll head. We'll discuss this later because I've <laughs> never heard that. Anyway. Yes. So you might verify that. I'm, I'm that is what I've heard. Um, and I seem to recall that I probably got that from some, you know, bathroom reader or something like that. But you never know, man. <laughs> Stuff just, just flocks so to us. Much useless knowledge. Yeah, totally. Um, fantastic. And I, and it's going on the, the, the 17th. So, so a week, uh, so a week from this Friday, a week from this Friday, it's uh six to 10 PM. It's $21 to fit that, uh, SMO 21 theme. And then right. it's $25 a day of, okay. And they can get tickets online. They can get tickets online. Please come to sciencemuseumok.org. And can you call for tickets as well? You can call for tickets. Uh, please call us at uh, 405-602-3712. 6634? Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> go to, definitely go to the website. Yeah. It's definitely on the website. It's definitely on our Facebook page. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, that too. Yeah, go to, oh. We'll link yeah. that to our profile. And in the meantime, go get yourself a, a Science Museum membership. Because yeah, it's worth that. it. Yeah, do that. Oh, my gosh. Do you, that. You know, I would think it was, it was Josh who, who talked about the fact that he'd gotten one. And I've, I agree with this, too. Is, is this, The Science Museum of Oklahoma is too big sometimes to see all in one day. But if you've got a membership, you can go anytime and spend a couple of hours. And you don't feel like you have to see the whole thing. Yeah. You can go and just focus on a few things. And then leave because you've got a membership. So you can always come back and enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Yes. And we're, we're constantly updating and changing things. We have a free programming at different times. So a membership is definitely the way to go. There's so many fun opportunities in our tinkering areas. We change things each month. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. And and, what, and they keep you in the loop, too. Yes. Like you're on the newsletter automatically, so you know yes. what's coming, which it's sometimes hard to keep up. You guys have so, we have so much stuff going on. Period. It is. And last year you had the, the Harryhausen, you had the bodies. Uh, I mean, it, the Harryhausen exhibit was... Whew, that was on point. That was incredible. I mean, and it's so wonderful to realize that there is a, there is a cross-section of science and uh, pop culture. Yes. And yes. most people don't realize that, that, that there, there really is that, that scientists embrace the pop culture and just the other way around as well. Oh, yes. In fact, this current SMO 21 was inspired by one of those art exhibits we currently have up, an exhibit called Decomposition that we did in conjunction with the University of Oklahoma. It is so cool. <laughs> it is very cool. I love it. That's awesome. And um, anything else you can think about for SMO21? Because I want to make sure we, we get through that because we've got other things as well going on. Yeah, you want to come out. We've got Big Oak Kombucha being there, Scissor Tail Provisions, uh, talking about the process of fermentation versus pickling. Uh, Coop L works there, showing uh, what they create as well. Um, we will have the University of Oklahoma with their Natural Products Discovery Group Citizen Science Soil Collection Program. This is so oh, cool. cool. There's so much promise of 
discovery in the fungus all around us. Mm -hmm. It might be in our backyard. It might be under our rose bushes. You can uh, go collect a little bit of soil, send it into them, tell them where you found it. And it could be a huge medical breakthrough in the future. Okay, that's super cool. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's kind of like what we were doing with uh, when we were doing the light. Uh, oh, Lost of the Night with Joe, with Joey. Yeah, Joey Rodman. The Planetarium. Yeah. Um, um, the Lost of the Night app. And it's an app where you go outside in an urban area and highlight what it it it's a an ar it and you highlight what it measures oh, light yeah. yeah you highlight what stars you can actually see versus what you what what is there and then it sends it all into a national database at nasa so yeah i had somebody yeah. actually tweet out that they were Crowd, uh, they were a little disappointed that some of the lights work. weren't on or some street lights weren't on or something like that are they trying to save money i'm like i wanted to tweet back it's like good for them yeah. Could turn off the lights. There's some really cool lights yeah. actually above those, <laughs> those lights those that are much lights. cooler. And we need to actually dim our lights so that we can actually start to see them. So, mm -hmm. yes. And, and, and we, when we talked to Joey, he was talking about the fact that, that too much light is also hurting our, our animals. Yeah. Right. That depend on it to be dark for either they're nocturnal or they're or even if they're diurnal their and they orientation, need yeah. night yeah. time to sleep. Mm -hmm. Or even their migration they, they're, yeah. they're trying to make. Tortoises is a huge example. Yeah. It's we and we're and we're not didn't realize it until Joy came in and talked. It was amazing. So yeah, yeah. she's pretty amazing. We need yeah. to, we need yes. to have her back. Yes, we do. Um, speaking of stars and night and stuff. Oh, you know there is something. There is something kind of big happening at the museum. Very very exciting. Um, we have closed our planetarium temporarily as of August sixth. Mm -hmm. Um, this is necessary as we get ready for our next phase of the planetarium. We um, will be moving to a six projector system that is going to allow us to provide a much uh, fuller, very uh, exciting experience for our, our guests. And we will not only be able to show them uh, more animations and a, a, a show that is very dynamic, as our shows have always been, but will also allow us to add more shows in. Yep. Our, our system we've had for a long time required a lot of a lot of tender loving care, a lot of upkeep. And so we were limited to the amount of shows we could do each day. With this new six projector system, we will not only be uh, able to do the uh, shows that we've been doing all about our Tonight Sky, uh, what's happening around us, but we will also be able to add pre-recorded shows as well, which means more opportunities for our guests each day yeah so we could see more shows than just those one that would do you know how, how old the the current system is the current system is about 41 years old oh <laughs> wow i think it was installed in 1978 oh my gosh so it was mm -hmm. even there when i was a kid it's the same mm -hmm. same system it's the same system oh my gosh yeah that cool middle projector thing that yeah. you're accustomed to is is going away and, and some of the components for the system we uh are not able to um update anymore yeah and so we've been looking for what would be the best system for our audience what we wanted to do what makes us unique and after a very long uh research period we found what we believe will be the best system for us right now yeah, you, it's nice yeah. to have a you know, forty-year-old car. You know, it's dependable. You know, you you know, but and you know, you could you could certainly you know fix it up if you need to. But to to get you the 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 newest, coolest things, you're not going to have that. And so it, it'll be nice to have something brand new. How long how long do we figure we're going to be down? 
We look to uh, reopen at the end of September, the very end of September, uh, with a uh, um, being back up and running full speed uh, in uh, October. Yeah, so it's not going to be down there for that long. It's no. just enough time to get this new system in, I guess, get it programmed. Is that... <laughs> The, learn there's, it all. Yes, <laughs> learn it all, get a program. There is a lot that's required in, in a planetarium from not only making sure all the projectors uh, are mapped to the dome as it exists, but also running all that wiring. We have a lot of wiring that has to be removed, a starball projector that has to be removed, a um, an actual hole in the floor that we have to uh, cover and put new things in, We've got to run a lot of conduit for all that wiring. We have to prepare the audio system. We have to um, um, look at our cooling system as well, and make any needed updates to it, as well as painting a lot of things black. So yeah. there, there's a, a lot of very easy things to do and a little some things that require a little bit more time from um, moving the, uh, the sprinkler heads and such as well. And then, of course, putting in all the, uh, the hardware. Right. Yeah, and uh, do, do I understand that, that it's not necessarily just, it won't be stuff that's necessarily in-house. You could actually get stuff from, from other planetariums. Is that Talk to me about that. Uh, yes, uh, we will be able to do something called dome casting where we can actually uh, share what we have created with other uh, uh, planetariums, and we can also uh live stream what they are showing at the same time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, my God. Simulcast and then... And then can we use what they have uploaded as well? Like we can borrow elements of their show, not to get too technical. Yes, but yes. Um, what yeah. we have is something that's constantly being uh, updated and shared and more content added to. So as new discoveries are made, we will be able to share them uh, very quickly after with, with our audiences. And as we create content, we can share that as well with other other planetariums because that is uh things are changing very quickly uh, we, you know we'll yes. open up the paper and science you know and every every day every week there's something new that we've discovered a new planet uh we we've figured out some some way that something is working that we hadn't figured out before mm -hmm. so there's always something new oh yes uh just uh more than a week ago uh more moons were discovered around jupiter so yeah. there's all these discoveries being made constantly how did i miss that one that is so cool. There's been a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, Just space news, period. There was, uh, there was, uh, was it a new uh, uh, exoplanet that was discovered you. just a couple months ago? Yes. That, you know, I just, you know, the things that were, you were unbelievable when I was a kid are now just, yeah, it's not a, not a problem. We, we, it's, you know, we're finding things out all over the place that mm -hmm. we had no idea about, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. and, and what this, this new system is going to, help with that like Clint said is that like we quicker we don't have to build those graphics we don't have to build you know that that information is going to be boom yeah you could just share it with with the other uh, science museums as well what, what's going to happen to that the ball is are you guys going to do anything with that or is that well this is a phase one of what we view as a, a multi-stage uh, event and we look at moving the planetarium sometime in the future and when we do that, we will, I say move it, we'll be moving within the building to open up that yes. space that currently is for more physical exhibits. And when we move that, the, uh, the star ball will go back on display as the current plan because it is something that, you know, 
I've spent 40 it's years It's our childhood. With. It is. Yeah. It is a piece of history, I think. that, And I would hate to see that go anywhere because, I mean, it obviously, even if it's not doing anything, the idea that that is something that uh, I can take my, my children or my grandchildren and go, this is, this is how we used to do things. Now let's go and see how it's done now. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's going to be amazing. It's going to be so cool. And, and, it's, and I'm guessing there are things that you hadn't expected when you started th- this idea of changing out. Yes, there, there are so many systems out there. <laughs> and there, are so, there is so much potential. And it's been a really about 18 months of constant discovery of not only uh, what exists now, but what's going to be existing in a little bit. And what, what can this system do now compared to what I could do a little bit ago. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like video games. As yeah. quick as video games are evolving and, and changing, the, this, these systems are changing that quickly too. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a very exciting time. And we look at our own space and as we started to prepare for it, we discovered a lot about the planetarium itself and some of the different things it has gone through. And to me, some of the, the, the greatest discoveries were Things that were invented by our our planetarians, as we call them, in the past to make special effects happen. Mm-hmm. Simple things That's using so cool. um, a rotisserie and um, mirrors and putting them together with the light shining on it just right and a button to make it happen at just the right time to make something fantastic happen in the sky. And how these simple little Um, things made so much happen. Bless them. That's rad. That's amazing. So and you and six so it's going to be down for about six weeks, which is I really was when I heard you guys were going down, I thought it was going to be a lot longer. Uh, but that's amazing. You guys are going to be able to get this turned around pretty fast. That that is the plan. We uh, actually began working uh, behind the scenes there several weeks ago. Um, we have our exhibits team, our facility facilities maintenance team, our IT team, all working in conjunction, as well as our planetarium team and even our programs team, everyone's pitching in to try to make this uh, turnover as quickly as possible. Yeah, because the planetarium is one of the things that people come for, and you don't want it to be down too long. Exactly, and it's something we take a lot of pride in. All of our shows that we do there are really customized to the audience that's there, and that's how we like to do everything at, at the Science Museum. So to have this one element, this one experience down, is something that we don't want to leave down too long. And when it comes back, everyone will, will understand that it, it was the right time to make this wonders change in the yeah. planetarium. But at the same time, I'm a very impatient guy and I, I anticipate everyone is. I'd also like to add that the planetarium go is down for maintenance of once a month, basically. Yeah. And it was gonna start you know, this week, but um, it won't do that once we get the new system in. So we're going from being down at least one day a month for maintenance to not. So it's that's it's kind of trade off. Just that wait six that. weeks, <laughs> right? So because you could basically any kind of any kind of work can be done instantaneous rather than having to take an entire day to to upgrade the system because it's it's yeah it's again it was an old system and so to you had to take, go down a, a day so that that makes it a lot better. Mm-hmm. So in about four years, we will have actually made this time up. <laughs> <That's> exactly. <right. laughs> <laughs> Math. 
Yay. Calendars. <laughs> How do they work? Now, I, I was, uh, so, so, and I understand that you're, you're going to try and get it open for the next Smode 21. Is that? Yeah, is that I was right? going to ask you about that. Is that something that's on the, on yes. the table for the next Smode 21? Yes. We, uh, because of the timing, we will not have the planetarium open for this Smode 21, which will happen on August 17th, but our next Smode 21 is happening on October 19th. Mm. And it's going to have a stranger science theme. And uh, for that's a stranger right, science theme. You heard theme, him right. Stranger science? Yes, that's what you think. I love it. Yes. He loves that show. It's his favorite show. Awesome show. We'll, we'll definitely need to have some kind of presence of parallel universes and wormholes. So <gasps> we will definitely have the uh, planetarium open. Uh, I think, I think the that. planetarium is up to the task. I think so. And, I, you know, because there, there's a lot of talk about that, about string theory and other dimensions. And, and a lot of times we've got it wrong because we've got it more from what pop culture tries to tell us it really is. Um, and it'd be nice to hear that from uh, a scientific point of view. Oh, certainly. And um, I, I like this idea of we got it wrong. And a lot of times we might not have it exactly right yet. Yes. And as time occurs, we get closer to, I guess, that, that correct answer. And so through the planetarium, we'll be able to educate and keep up to date with um, the, the, the right visuals to, to share what is the the most correct answer we can share with our, our guests. Yeah, and it's uh, on, the, on the macro level with, with how big the universe is, uh, how old the universe is, and even on the micro level of how far down can we go into to atoms and quarks and all that kind of stuff. It's just amazing that you can go by both directions, and it's strange. It's, it's phenomenal. It's weird. And that's actually one of the great things about our, our new uh, six projector system that we look forward to exploring is we, we will be able to try these uh, new uh, ambitious shows and, and more ambitious visuals with our guests. That's going to be amazing. It is going to be I'm so excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so, excited. <laughs> so what else is going on at the Science Museum? Have you guys got any uh, new exhibits coming up? Well, one thing that I'm pretty excited about is right now, uh, at this moment, the exhibit guys are working on a Jacob's Ladder out on the floor where you'll actually be able to watch electricity climb from just a few feet above the floor all the way to our ceilings, which, as far as I know, may be the largest Jacob's Ladder <gasps> in, in a museum. Say, that's a rumor. <laughs> I don't know if it's confirmed, not verified, but it's a rumor. Man. How tall do we know? How, how tall is this thing, dude? I how, believe how it's 22 it? feet tall. Yeah, it's 20-something feet. Ah, that's two stories. Yes, it, mm -hmm. it goes on uh, the two more. stories of our floors. Oh, my gosh. That is amazing. And when is that going to be started? They are uh, installing it right now. Uh, so this will take a, a, a few days, I'm sure, to get it completely installed. It's 28 feet tall. No Where is way. it? It is right outside Light Minded, which was also recently updated and amazing nice. in the ever-loved... Shadow the ever-loved shadow capture is, that goes no back to is amazing now with markers and all yeah. sorts of things. It's amazing. Oh, that's fantastic. Yes. Okay. See, I, you know, one of my first experiences with the Science Museum of Oklahoma was um, I remember seeing a, a treadmill bike where you could light up a, a, a light on it. And I thought, you know, if I could just attach that to my television... <laughs> 
Right. And my television could not come on unless I was unless pedaling. you were working out. I think it'd be fantastic. I'm serious. I think everybody should yeah. have that connected to their television. Mm-hmm. Sorry, mm-hmm. you can't. You can't. Now we have a whole TV. carousel that, depending yeah. on what kinetic, like depending on which horse you're on, powers kinetically a different thing. Music, lights. That's wonderful. It's awesome. And Michael, keep your eyes out for something like that in the museum again very soon. Our Exhibit guys are constantly working on things, and uh, the idea of generating electricity is one of them. Yeah, kinetic yeah. energy is phenomenal, yeah. and I think it's it, it, it teaching kids that your movement is what what powers that 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 you are taking your power and making it into real power, the power that you see every day. Yes, yes. that's phenomenal. And uh, you've got you guys still have the Segway track, right? We do. We uh, we made some changes to the uh, Segway course. Uh, about uh, a little more than a year ago, it's now the Segway Park, so you can actually uh, operate the Segway over uh, various terrains. Oh, see, my wife will love that. She's it's really awesome. Segway. What? What? Why is why is that science? Why is that science? Uh, well, because Dean Kamen, who uh, created the Segway, uh, he is also the guy who uh, started a, a great project for kids to get them into STEM learning called uh, uh, First or First Lego League. He um, created the, the Segway, which actually uses gyroscopic motion to move. So it's science not only for the experience that you're having where you're using um, the gyroscopic motion, where your own body movements decide where the Segway's going, but is, is also a, a way to participate in progress. And I think that, to me, is why the, the Segway Park is so important, is because you're having this experience that did not exist years ago. And the experience that will follow it next, you can't even imagine yet. Right. And I, I think that's why the Segway Park is so important. Yeah, you get an idea. And, and it's, it's through the science that we've learned. It's, it's through math. It's through science that we've created this thing uh, that, that is unique. It's just amazing. And that's, that's why I, was, I wanted it's to get the It's a heck of a lot of fun. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's the bottom line. It's fun. And you can, like, when you're learning while you're having fun is when it sticks. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's the beauty of the Science Museum of Oklahoma mm-hmm. is you're learning things. Fred and yes, Rogers. it will stay in your head. Mm-hmm. Better Mr. Than Rogers, he, he was the one that came up with it. That's right. Children at play learn. And children learning at play learn. Yeah. That's why you had the have the is the treehouse still there? Is that the, the treehouse is uh, still there? And yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. The treehouse and um, Odyssey Tower and Side Curiosity are some of those great things that kind of remind me of what you brought up about Mr. Rogers. Is Mr. Rogers made us all feel that even though we were small, even though the world was big, that there was this this place for us, and we had to get out and we have to try new things. And we have to be respectful of each other mm-hmm. in order to operate in this world. Mm-hmm. And when you come to Science Museum Oklahoma and you come into Curiosity and you visit the Odyssey Tower, it can seem overwhelming at first. Three stories of climbing. Even to grown-ups. Even to grown-ups. <laughs> <laughs> that and first time down that spiral there. slide from the third story. Yeah, it's big. Yeah. And uh, with between Odyssey Tower and, and Gadgetries and the, these, the, our big treehouse, kids learn that it's... You have to take risks, mm-hmm. and you are going to make it. And once you make it, it feels really good to look back at that other child who's there with you and say, I did it. 
you can, you do, can it do it too. Exactly. And we see this every day at the Science Museum. Mm-hmm. The, not only this importance of taking risks, but also that importance of teamwork and working together. Even when you don't know that other individual. And kids are so much better at this oh, than we, gosh, we are as are. adults. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, well, it's like, you know, like going back to the first person who had cheese, you know. It's, 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 it's <laughs> that person had to do it. For everyone else to kind of do it, risk taker, yeah. and, and it's the first person to uh, uh, to come up with a science experiment that that someone adds to, and so mm-hmm. so everybody works together. If we're all working together, we're making a better world. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, and we we take this one thing. The next person says, "Hey, that's great, but what if we did this?" Bingo. Yeah, it's amazing, and and because of that, uh, I know that the because of the, the planetarium system that you've got is because of other people, other planetariums, other science museums coming together and working to create a better system to educate people. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, and even with the, the planetarium, we would not be able to do that without a big community support. Yeah, no, and that's the other thing I want to talk about is is you've got a lot of. People who, uh, with philanthropists, people who take care of the Science Museum, uh, that you guys wouldn't be able to do what you do without them. Uh, correct. Um, everything we do, uh, it depends on our members. 